time to buy in. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Now, let's start the hour. Welcome to this week's episode of the Noble Capital Radio Hour, where we explore income strategies for the modern financial landscape. I'm Sean Harris, and to the left of me is the authority on your assets, the wizard of wealth management, the man with the income plan, Jess, the real deal Hamill. (laughs) Good morning. And to my right, a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. A veritable powerhouse of prosperity, the people's champion, Jaden, the fountain of knowledge, Newman. Good morning, Sean. Gentlemen, welcome to the airwaves. How are we doing this week? Uh, been a long week, but I think it's going to pick up. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So, you know, I always start this show with a joke, but I couldn't find one this week. And I was hoping maybe one of you guys had a joke you could share. Something appropriate for broadcast radio. Yeah, that knocked me out. (laughs) Jess is out. (laughs) And I'm on the spot. Man, it's going to take me a minute, Sean, to to come up with one. You're you're catching me off guard. I didn't prepare my my joke for the radio today. (laughs) Well, that's okay. You can think about it while I'm recapping last week. Our episode last week was the Four Horsemen of the Income Apocalypse. And we talked about some of the common mistakes that people make when planning or not planning for their retirement. So folks, if you haven't heard that episode, go find the Noble Capital Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts and listen to Four Horsemen of the Income Apocalypse. So who are we anyway? We're just three guys sitting here on the radio. Having a good old time. Talking about stuff. But a little deeper, we're Noble Capital Wealth Management. That's right. We're with Noble Capital Wealth Management. We're a financial advising and income planning firm based here in Austin, Texas. And if you want to learn more about us, you can go to noblecapital.com. And we actually hold some events a couple times a week. Isn't that right? Or a couple times a month. A couple times a month. Yeah. Yeah. A couple times a week. That'd be a little bit busy. It works out to 2.8 times per month. So, you know, it's, I don't don't think we can have a 0.8 seminar, but yeah, something like that. Well, we could just do like a short seminar. Yeah. Yeah. But if you folks out there like what you hear and you want to learn a little bit more about income planning, you can go to noblecapitalradio.com and sign up for one of our wealth management dinners. We have one coming up Tuesday, April 16th at True Lux here in Austin, Texas. So noblecapitalradio.com and RSVP right there on the website. So, Jaden, did you think of a joke? Or are you going to pass on this? You know, um, I got one, but I think it's a, it might be a little long for the radio. Um, I'll tell you what. Um, well, I can always put you on the spot next week. Next week? Can I just – yeah, can I take a – a rain check and, and, and hit you with it next week? Absolutely. Okay, you have, have a little bit of, of prep time now. Okay, so. appreciate that, Sean. <laughs> uh, so, Jess, I was hoping you would do the honors this week and read our capital contemplations. Each week, I try to find a quote that has 
is loosely related at least to the radio episode topic for each week. And I thought this week I would hand it off to you and let you read it for us. Right on, man. I like it. So a wise man can learn more from a foolish question than a fool can learn from a wise answer. Who said it? So who said it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few people to choose from, and you guys can tell me who you think said it. Is it Will Rogers, Bruce Lee, or Willie Nelson? I'm going for Bruce Lee. It sounds like a Bruce Lee, but I think that's a trick. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go Will Rogers. <laughs> You're going to go Will Rogers. Well, I do love Will Rogers, but actually it was Bruce Lee. Nice. Yay, ding, ding, ding. So you get absolutely no Nothing. additional reward for <laughs> guessing that correctly, but thank you anyway. Right on. So this week, guess what we're going to do, guys? Any ideas? I've got something special planned. Besides have a radio show? Well, if you call it a radio show, I don't know. That's a pretty loose definition. But we're going to do another listener questions episode. Oh, cool. We got so many great questions last time from people who listened to us either on the radio here in Austin or via the podcast. And I've had questions just rolling in. And so I thought it was about time. It's been about three, four months since we did our last one. So I thought we would do another listener questions. So why don't we jump right into it? You guys ready? Let's do it. Uh, Real quick, we're calling this episode The Enlightenment because we are going to enlighten our listeners and answer their questions. Okay. I can see that. All right. So this first one comes from Robert in Ashburn, Virginia, and he says, you talk about planning for inflation, but how do you know what inflation will be over 20 years or more? I get that a lot. Um, And the short answer is I don't. So all I can do is make reasonable, rational assumptions based on recent history. Um, I think the the statistics are saying 2.7, 2.8 right now. We plan for three and we solve the income plan in a linear fashion. And then we go back and stress it. You know, what if we have Jimmy Carter days? What if we have something in between and, and, and see how the plan sustains it. But at some point, um, there's only so many things that we can plan for in advance, so we've got to plan for the rational and then be prepared for what happens if something goes wrong. In the end, a lot of portfolios means that we're spending less. I mean, there's only, only so much we can do. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, Robert, from Ashburn, Virginia. That's <laughs> the, the short answer is we plan, we plan as best as we can, uh, worst-case scenario, right? So we can be ready for any eventuality, right? So... This one comes from Lenore in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and she says, is there any way to increase how much Social Security I will receive when I retire? Oh, yeah, easy. Just wait to turn it on a little later. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Every year you wait, it goes up about 8%. That's, that's something that a lot of people um, you know, m- maybe you've heard before but haven't really quantified. That, that's a pretty amazing pay bump. Yeah, 8% per year. So if you wait, the difference between starting it at, say, 66, if that's your full retirement age, and 70 could be 32%, you know, more cash flow from Social Security. The the other thing would be to use some of the the spousal strategies. If, if you're a couple, there's definitely still some strategies you can take advantage of to maximize the, the overall Social Security as a couple. 
Okay. And that, that's something that we have a system that we can run those scenarios. And that's something we do every day for our clients. Okay. So there's a tip right there. Every year you wait 8%. That's, that's no small amount of money every year. You know, you wait two years, three years. That's uh It'll stretch it out a little bit, right? That's true, but but don't forget that in the income planning world, it's not all about how much we get ultimately in the end out of that. Um, there are a lot of times when somebody's retired and they're thinking, I'll wait till 70 to turn it on because it'll be more. So at 66, they start consuming other assets that probably would increase more than the, the Social Security that they're foregoing. So we can't answer that question in one answer. It's all part of a big package. Okay, got it, got it. So... This one comes from Joshua in Gilbert, Arizona, and, and he asks, are bonds a viable investment option for retirement income? I'm going to throw that one at Jaden. Well, you know, we, I, I just read an article here just, I think it was just, just last, uh, in the last couple of days, last 48 hours, just talking about how the bond markets um, have really hit the skids and are, are sort of signaling a, uh, an upcoming recession. Mm-hmm. It's there's a there's a phenomenon that happens in the bond markets wh- where the yield becomes inversed. Not, not to get too technical, but an inversed yeah. uh, yield. And when you start seeing that, then there's a, there's definitely a, a sign there that that you've got some issues with with the overall economy. But bonds are you know heavily tied to interest rates, and if interest rates continue to stay stable or go back down be, for because the Fed's trying to stimulate the economy, mm-hmm. then you're going to see bonds remain flat. So I think there's a there's a place for them, especially over the long haul, that we've got some, some great bond alternatives that perform uh, just as well, if not better, with, with a little bit more predictability. And that's something we'd be happy to talk to you about if, if you wanted to give us a call or come to one of our events. We'll, we get into that, that very subject, Sean. Yeah, perfect. And again, if you want to attend one of our events, events just go to noblecapitalradio.com. You can RSVP right there. You know, I've actually heard them talking on the radio a lot about the yield curve inversion that happened just recently. And I kind of went back and did a little bit of research. And there were yield curve inversions prior to almost every economic recession we've had in the history of our country. So I'm going to hold on to that thought. And we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we are going to be answering more of your listener questions. Hang on. We'll be right back, folks. Talk 1370. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Welcome back to the show where we've been discussing some questions from our listeners about all things related to income planning. So I'm just going to dive right back in because we've actually got some really good questions lined up here. So Tito from Dallas, Texas asks, what is day trading and how does it work? Mm, That's kind of a broad scope, but I would interpret that as, as, you know, sitting there watching the stocks go up and down and trying to buy when they're low and sell when they're high. That can be over a day, over a week. But the uh, the best advice on that is do that in your IRA. You don't want to do that in your brokerage account or you have nothing but short-term gains. So what I personally like to do is 
watch the quarterly earnings rep- uh, statements that come out and big companies that I know are going nowhere, wait till they get a bad one, everybody dumps a stock. I come in, swoop up some, sit on it till it goes the other way and then go on down the road. I mean, it's just kind of fundamental basic stuff. But if you don't do that in your IRA, at the end of the year, you're going to pay a much higher tax rate on the gains than if you kept it for a year or did it in a, in a traditional or Roth. Yeah, okay. or you're, or you'll have a bunch of short-term losses. True. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, we don't. It's not something that we would would endorse or, or even advise on. To be honest, Sean, it's not. Yeah. It's not part of the equation in in, in a retirement plan. Um, it is something that comes up, and we do have some traders that as clients, you know, folks that like to trade their own money, and that that's okay. That's normal. Um, everybody, you know, wants to do their best and. Sometimes if, if it's actually something you enjoy, mm-hmm. I think the best advice we could give to Tito is it? Yeah. Is that you, you know, at the end of the day, after we've set your plan in place, you come in and visit and just dials in the plan. If you want a bucket set aside that's specifically for what we would call like your your risk money or your, you know, your, your um, speculative money, mm-hmm. then – he can carve that out and put that there for you in a position where you can go trade it. You can go um, invest it on your own accord and also take the pressure off from putting you in a position where you're dependent on the success of that endeavor, right. which I think is really the key when, when you're talking about trade, you know, doing day trading or any type of other you know, potentially risky or volatile um, type investing. Yeah, and I'll yeah. second that. I, I guess I should have addressed that. that to me, that's that's so fundamental in what we do. That's not your income is not dependent upon that in retirement. That's play. That's or, playing, or at least it shouldn't be. It shouldn't if be. you're smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is probably your sandbox. Yeah, that's like going to yeah. Vegas and counting on winning at the crap stable to fund your retirement. Right. Oh. Yep. It's just not not predictable. So no, that makes total sense. Uh, so David in Houston, Texas, uh, he doesn't really have a question. He just says, "Take my money." <laughs> 8,200 North Mopac. <laughs> Believe it or not, that, that happens, Sean. Um, folks come in and they, you know, they've already done a little background check and really they're just at a point in their life where they're ready to make a move. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, we always resist moving too quickly. We want to really work through a plan and make sure that there's clarity. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's uh, almost rare to never that we would actually even conduct business with a client in the first, you know, one or two appointments, yeah. um, just depending on how, how far along they are. But um, Jess will t- tell you, you typically meet with clients, you know. Three, three times is, the, is the, the base model. Sometimes it lapses into four, and occasionally we'll do it in two. Um, you know, sometimes people come in, they already know about us. They've already got a preconceived comfort level. And when I present something to them, it just falls into place with what they want to do and make sense. And so we'll go ahead and move forward like that. But I, that's not something that I take lightly at all. Um, the responsibility of advising somebody on their life savings to set them up for the rest of their life is not something that's a, a quick decision at all. Yeah, and there's typically a pretty in-depth sort of, I guess you could call it a discovery process yeah. whenever somebody comes in to talk to us. And because, a lot of discussion, too. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Yeah, because, again, every income plan needs to be built specifically for each person's particular situation. Yeah, and exactly. We, we can't do it effectively unless we ask the right questions and know exactly where they stand and what their goals are. Right. That's it. Yeah. Well it's said, perfect. Sean. You're getting closer and closer to coming and sitting in that seat. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make an advisor out of you yet. Sign them up. Hey, I'm, I'm definitely, I would be interested in doing that. I, I, right now, I don't know if anybody wants to take financial advice from me, <laughs> but do so at your own risk. So, 
this one's kind of complicated. This comes from Mike in Houston, Texas, and he asks, how do you choose real estate investments? Right, also I'm, simple, I'm kicking that it? over to the real estate king over there. <laughs> Jaden? Well, so at, at Noble Capital Wealth Management, you know, we don't we don't choose real estate investments. Um, we we will advise a client on their real estate holdings, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things we've we've put in place deliberately to sort of set ourselves apart. If if a client comes in that has rental property or maybe a commercial property, and they're trying to determine, you know, what about what is the value of that property, what type of um, income can I produce from this property, and what kind of return am I making on that is really the bottom line. Is this How's this investment actually performing on paper? Sometimes it's hard to break that down, but we've got some worksheets and a, a process to walk you through and show you that. But for, for us, one of the, the staples that sets us apart is, is our alternative you know, real estate investment offering, our private lending program on the other side of our shop. Noble Capital owns a private lending company, Streamline Funding, and we take those loans and we actually fund them with our, our own internal funds, which we open up those funds to investors to participate in through our wealth management and, and other channels. So. If you come in and, and you're looking to put a retirement plan together, um, Jess is going to talk to you about real, uh, you know, the real estate asset class, specifically private lending in, in Texas on residential investment property. And you, you, like many of our clients, might choose to participate in that. The returns are great. There's, there's a really clear story. It's, it's easy to understand. And it's it's really just a great asset class. Texas residential real estate is on the map. I think most people know for sure. If you can get in on that the, with the right group, the, the right operators, that that's a viable way to preserve and, and grow money. Okay. But even even to take that another step, I mean, there are a lot of real estate opportunities out there that are dependent upon riding the wave of the of the boom. Um, what you really want to do when you're looking at long term, especially for retirement is figure out a way to get involved in it so that when the market goes up and down, your income's not going up and down. And we've been doing this for, what, 18, 19 years now? 18 years. We've gone through a couple of highs and a couple of lows, and, and we've figured out how to keep it consistent and steady, not so much dependent upon the market. Yeah, and like we've said numerous times before, the more income streams you have, the more stable that sort of retirement stool is going to be, the, m- the more legs you have. So that's just one tool in the toolbox, but it certainly helps to have a lot of tools to fall back on for your income plan. Yeah, right? it's a cool tool. Yeah. So I've, I've actually got another real estate related question, and then we'll move on to something else. But uh, this one comes from Edie in Fort Washington, Maryland. And she asks, if the housing market is prone to fluctuation, how can you claim that an investment in real estate is less risky than the stock market? So how is, how is real estate less risky? It goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. We're not, we're not in the business of buying real estate and sitting on it. It's not a speculative situation here. We're, mm. we're loaning money on real estate. So as the market goes up and down, different needs come and go, and we service those needs with our private lending, pretty much bottom line. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. And when you talk about investing in real estate, Jess just hit on it. There's a lot of ways to invest in real estate. So there, if, if you're going out and buying property as a, an investment property, then it, it's subject to volatility, uh, just like 
buying anything. You know, in the stock market, um, there might be a little more volatility than real estate traditionally, but but with our with our private lending program, which again is is the main real estate um, conversation that we're going to bring to the table in terms of something that you can invest in and participate in as a client. Jess just said it. We're actually talking about lending money at seventy cents on the dollar. So not not buying the property at seventy cents on the dollar. That that sounds amazing, but right. just 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 as amazing though, if you think about it, would be lending on it. Um, it's not your property, not your problem from a operation standpoint, ownership standpoint. But you've secured your money with a loan, and you you have a first lien on that property, and you're able to to generate a return on that on that loan that uh, pays a, a, a nice return. So that that would be one way to avoid the impact of volatility is loan money at 70 cents on the dollar on real estate or less. Yeah. So part so basically the answer is it's how we structure the loans. It's not real estate itself, but it's how the platform operates that makes it a little bit more stable. Correct. Well, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we've got lots more listener questions to answer. So hang on folks, we'll be back in just a second. Welcome back to the show where we've been discussing questions from our listeners about all things related to income planning. So I really love doing these listener questions episodes because we really get a sense of what the people out there listening to the show want to know. Maybe things that we haven't touched on yet or maybe things they misunderstood or Maybe they missed a really informative episode and they, they still have questions. So we're going to be trying to do these from time to time. And if any of you folks out there have any questions, message us on Facebook at Noble Capital. And I'll be right there to receive your questions. And I'm kind of compiling them as I go. So back into the listener questions here. I wanted to save this one because this is, this is kind of a, a little more broad reaching question and it's pretty specific this person says this comes from d in miami florida this she says i am 47 years old and for the past 12 years i've been a contract employee so i don't have your typical 401k what are some of the ways i can effectively put money away for retirement without an employer contribution Wow. I mean, save, save, save. Whether you're saving it non-qualified or you're putting it into an IRA, um, you know, conventional response to that would be start an IRA and start contributing to that and get into the tax deferred thing. Um, I think anybody that's listened to the show for very long knows that I'm not necessarily the greatest fan of tax deferred um, savings for a variety of reasons. It's a whole other episode, but either way, um, you know, the, the difference between a 401k and a savings account is that you're putting it all in the savings account and in a 401k, hopefully you've got an employer that's gracious enough to match some of that right there. Yeah, and so there's not there's the, the sort of added disadvantage of not having an additional employer contribution. So it's it's even more difficult to kind of save. And and, and the next layer of that is you're you're now limited on how much you can put in. So at 47, I think this year she'll be at 6,500. Whereas with a 401k, you could put up to 25,000 a year plus contribution from an employer. Oh, okay. She's 47, Sean. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's a beautiful age. Uh, D uh, in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
come here. Yeah. <laughs> First, yeah, come to Texas. We we can't do business with you um, right now if you're in Miami. Jess has the ability to actually get what's called a, a resident license in right. another state. And we've done that a couple times for clients. It's it's just a process that we have to go through administratively. But um, but yeah, move to Austin D. Um, but listen, it's the place to be. I'm telling you. <laughs> although Miami's uh, is is pretty yeah, hard I'd, to leave, right? I'd love to go hang out in yeah, Miami. For maybe a while. we need to I'd go see D. And okay, yeah, just get your residence license now. D, we're coming to see you. <laughs> yeah. But but I I think of uh, what what really equates to a tax free pension, Sean. Um, the a vehicle that that we set up for our clients in this office you know, uh, almost on a daily basis. It's something that we talk about all the time. And we have, Jess has several different pension vehicles that he can set up for clients and then customize them in terms of how much you're going to fund, when you're going to fund it, how much you're going to pull out and when you're going to pull it out. But the one that comes to mind for our younger, healthy clients is a tax-free vehicle where you're loading up after tax dollars and then pulling out tax-free income mm-hmm. um, for a 47-year-old, um, it's it's almost unbelievable when you see the the illustration in those numbers for the first time. Yeah, it's, you're, it's great. You're I mean, telling the, me I can turn this into that. The, the, the proof in the pudding is that you know Jade and I both um, have this, and we've got it on our kids, and we've got. I mean, that's. I think I converted about a third of the company two years ago to this yep. um, just because the, the market was down a little bit and everybody came to see, you know, quote, the financial guy and I showed him that and everybody started, um, you know, funding that as well. So we've got, we've got some secret sauce over here on that. We do. And I, I, I mean, I, could, I can't tell you enough for any listener out there, if, if you're not getting a pension and, and you're trying to figure out how to, quote, save for retirement, I mean, this would be one of the first things we would want to talk about is how, how can we set you up some long-term predictable income and how can we make that tax free so you can, you know, kind of um, stick it to Uncle Sam? Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's definitely you know you can you can come see us and we can kind of talk to you about some of these vehicles that we have that will do different things. But again, not to you know give you a haircut over the phone. We we have to know exactly what your financial situation is, what your goals are. And that way we can make some recommendations as to what's going to work for you. Yeah. So, and, and like a broken record, I'll say it again. I mean, that's one specific asset class that we use that is a perfect tailored fit for a 47-year-old. Yeah. But in the end, it's about an all-inclusive plan that brings three or five asset classes together, each of which performs a very specific function that adds up to one awesome income plan. Right. It's not the only piece in the puzzle there. Right. Tax-free, so. asset preservation, lasts forever, et cetera, and so on. Yeah. So this next question comes from somebody who's actually in a very different financial situation. This is from Denise in Corpus Christi, Texas. She says, should I take my pension as a lump sum? That's kind of a so Corpus Christi, my old stomping ground. I'm yeah. born raised there. Um, once again, there's not going to be any yes or no questions on this show. So that's going to yeah. depend on, one, how confident are you that your employer that's providing the pension is going to manage that pension fund properly and still be around when you're old. And two, the best way to do it, in my opinion, if you can make the assumption that that's off the table, that that company you can trust, look at the options that you have for ongoing income, and then come see me and let's see what I can do with the lump, and then we just pick whichever one makes sense. That's beautiful. Um, What Jess is saying is, you know, come on in, Denise. and we, we can actually just show you, ex- if you took the lump sum, exactly 
what type of income stream that we can create from that safely and predict with predictable income versus leaving it where it is and just turning it on and generate generating predictable income from your pension if it's financially sound which that's right i don't know if you picked up on that but there there are some pension plans around the the country right now that are in trouble just because it, they haven't been managed prudently and they've kind of um, overpromised and under and they're going to have an underdeliver problem here coming up so that's 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 the analysis on on that it's it's a question that is going to take a some some analysis and some some discovery discovery okay, running yeah. numbers and then we can just compare and make a good quality decision so let me ask you this if somebody does take their pension in a lump sum are they they're potentially getting less money than they would if they would take the pension annuitized, right? Well, it depends on how long you live. So if you're looking at a lifetime of income, I'll just throw round numbers out there. Let's say you have a $500,000 lump sum that's going to pay you um, you know, $100,000 a year. That'd be kind of unrealistic. But as long as you die within five years, then you would have made more taking the lump sums. I mean, you've really got to look at the life expectancy. Those are silly numbers. That would never happen. But my point is, um, if you base it on life expectancy, most likely you would do better in the long run if you just use the pension than if you took the lump sum and spent it down. But if you take the lump sum and let us reposition in something that makes more sense and diversifies a little bit, you certainly would do better in the long run or we wouldn't do it. Yeah. They, they really they have to have the potential, I guess you're saying, to, to grow what they have greater than, than if they would have just taken the pension, right? Yeah, grow and, and distribute back in a yeah. way that makes sense. Okay, great. So... Sherman in Salem, Oregon says, I have a retirement account and I want to start investing toward another goal. How would I go about this? I guess they're saying they want to use money from the retirement account mm, to invest I'm, towards something else. That, uh, I'm not sure how I would interpret that question, but if based on that, um, assuming that's a traditional or a Roth, um, you can move that or some portion of that into a self-directed IRA. You hear us talk about that all the time. Mm. And your investment choices just exponentially grew. Yeah, that, that's a good point. We did discuss that quite a bit on an episode a few weeks ago. So you can basically – you can direct your own IRA. You can you have input on whatever you want to invest it in, right? right. And, and, not, it, and not to be confused, and people come in all the time and try to tell me they have a self-directed IRA because they got a traditional E-Trade, and they're the ones picking the stocks. That's not a self-directed IRA. A self-directed IRA is truly an account set up, tagged as an IRA. Um, the custodian reports to the IRS like they're supposed to, and now the only thing that you cannot invest in is something that's collectibles and art, something where the price is, is subjective, and something that improves yourself currently. You can't invest in, you can't go start a business and use your IRA to fund your own startup, but right. you could do it for your next door neighbor's startup. Okay, that makes sense. Perfect. So Scott from San Antonio asks, why is risk tolerance so important, and how can I figure out what mine is? Well, I mean, it's important, obviously, I believe, just because we, we need to figure out where we are on that risk scale. Um, you know, a 25-year-old has most likely a different risk tolerance than a 65-year-old. Um, but for me, there's really two categories of risk tolerance. What is the risk that I'm going to lose my principal? And two, what is the risk that I will or will not make the return that I'm trying to make off of it? Um, and then to take it a step further, am I looking at the risk tolerance of my income or the risk tolerance of my portfolio that's left over after I do my income? That's a good distinction because I, I don't think we've really made that distinction. Is it is it your your 
you know, all of your investments, your portfolio, or is it the, the income you're relying on? Your core on? foundational accounts. Yeah, we talk yeah. about that a lot. That's such a brilliant way to look at risk, uh, especially when you're talking about putting your retirement lenses on. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I, I've got to figure out where my income's coming from. And that, that's a higher priority than, than really looking at risk tolerance. Um, after I have a good feel for my income plan, then I, I do feel at liberty to take take more risk. But mm-hmm. you know, some of the things, just to answer the question directly, Scott, it would be how much are you willing to lose? Um, you know, you and then what what is your expectation of of return on your money right now? The, those are tough questions, you know, and they're they're tough for a reason because mm-hmm. when someone asks us a question like that, what should my risk tolerance be? You you, be, you better believe it. You're, we're coming back at you with about four or five more questions that at are least. harder than the question you asked us. So yeah, absolutely. We, we we've got to understand kind of where your head's at. But yeah. but I think Jess hit it right on the head. It's it's going to be backed into by a comprehensive income plan. That is the the most holistic way to approach risk and risk tolerance in your portfolio. Okay. So for bonus points, what's my risk tolerance? Mm, just make up a number. What do you think, <laughs> Just uh, Probably a 60 on a scale of 1 to 100. He's still young. still got mm-hmm. plenty of earning years left in him. He can, he can lose everything and still work and have a roof over his head. What, what if I'm planning to win the lottery? Uh, I don't know. That 61? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't, it doesn't change? You okay. one, one click. Right. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> fair enough. I'll take it. I'll take it. So Chris in Grand Prairie... Alberta, Canada, asks, how can I make sure that I don't have to rely on government help for my income? Wow. Um, I'm not sure what kind of uh, government programs they have up there in Canada. I think up there you give a whole lot more out of your paycheck now to get something more later, but I think a lot of that's even just health care and, and stuff here. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with the Social Security type system up there yeah. in Canada. So I, I, don't, I don't know that I could give an educated answer to that. Well, so let's say for somebody living here in the U.S., then, uh, you know, how, how can they make sure they don't have to only rely on Social Security, Medicare, that type of thing? So it's pretty broad. I mean, but, and not to split hairs, but Social Security is not really government help. That's your own money that you were forced well, to yeah, put away and, and, true. and let it accumulate. So you're, you're basically getting a return on your own self-funded retirement account, assuming mm-hmm. that you get back what you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But I guess the short answer is if you want to live above a level of Social Security, um, you've got to be smart with your planning now and, and carve some of that money out without spending it and putting it somewhere that we can give you predictable income on top of your Social Security. Yeah, okay. we're basically talking about, you know, how can I make sure I'm not living in poverty? I mean, that's yeah. the question. <laughs> so uh, to be candid, no offense, that that's, that's not the really the type of, of folks that we're, we're most suited to work with. Um, and and um, I, I don't think a lot of those type of um, questions come up at your desk, Jess, very, o- very overall. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, good, good luck, Chris. Just ba- basically don't go broke. Um, <laughs> yeah. Work hard, spend less. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could have told you that. <laughs> but, again, if you folks out there want to learn a little bit more about income planning and some of your other alternatives, go to noblecapitalradio.com, and you can sign up for one of our wealth management dinners. We have one coming up. April 16th at True Lux. Hang on just a second, and we'll be right back after this break. Talk 1370. Once again, 
This is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. And we are back. If you just tuned in, we've been answering all of your questions about retirement, investing, income planning, a little bit about real estate, a little bit about everything. I've actually got a few more questions I wanted to save just toward the end because a couple of them made me giggle a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But there is one here specifically for you, Jaden. This is from Rhonda right here in Austin. And she says, Jaden, you said on one episode that you raise bees for an agricultural exemption. What qualifies for this? And can you explain how it works? Sure. Well, in Texas, uh, at least uh, down here in central Texas, Travis County, it it was pretty stringent. You got to go read the code and um, they actually changed it too recently. So you have to have somewhere between five and 20 acres and then and that's the first qualifier so if, the, if that's not you you're you're already disqualified and then from there they have a little chart that shows based on how many acres you have you have to uh, maintain so many beehives per acre um, and have the right density of, of bees essentially for your property and that would be the same for other agricultural products like if you were growing I don't know, corn or whatever qualifies, right? You you have to have a certain amount of your land. Yeah, livestock, um, agriculture. There's a lot of different ways to qualify. But as far as bees go, there's some specific sizing requirements and density requirements. And other than that, um, just, you know, put put on the the little bunny suit and and go out there and try not to get get stung, (laughs) right? Um, The honey's amazing. It is awesome. And you're also saving the world while you're at it, so... Yeah, that's great. Makes for good conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, I'm I'm a fan of the beekeeper over here. I think that's really cool. Although, if you're allergic to bees, you probably don't want to choose bees for your agricultural exemption. <laughs> that's right. But we all need bees, and if you if you grow anything, if you grow vegetables, fruits, whatever, you're you're reliant on pollinators like bees. So it's a very admirable pursuit, Jaden. Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. Michelle in Portland, Oregon. She just she's just wondering what do you guys look like? <laughs> well, I'm devastatingly handsome with a receding hairline and he's uh, about 10 foot tall with four times more hair than I could ever hope for. Yeah. Both pretty good looking, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we both have amazing radio faces. <laughs> yeah. I do too. I'm actually extremely fit and I look like a, a young Brad Pitt myself. So. <laughs> I can see that. Boom. Yeah. A lot of cool tats. Yeah, yeah. No, he's just joking. I don't have any <laughs> tattoos. Uh, but thanks, Michelle, for, for your curiosity. And, and actually, you can go to noblecapital.com, hey. go to the radio page, and there are pictures of Jess and Jaden on the page. And while you're there, just listen to however many episodes you want. They're all there. They're all available one. right there on the website, noblecapital.com. So check it out. You can also go to our social media and you can see some pictures of Jess and Jaden there as well. There's no pictures of me because I don't want to break the internet. So <laughs> we, we keep my ugly mug off of there, but I think yours is popping up in a few. She took some pictures today, actually. That I think you probably are in at least oh, to some degree. I'll probably keep those to myself. <laughs> if you go to my LinkedIn page, that's actually, that picture is not me. I, I hired a really handsome model uh, to be a stand-in on social media for myself. So. Maybe I should try that. Yeah, yeah. It's not cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. But 
Um, I, I love this one. This one comes from Kathleen in Buda, Texas, right down the road. She says, I'm looking for more financial security. Is Jess married? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> These are getting a little more steamy as we go. I know. Oh, wow. You, uh, you've got so, an admirer. Yes. And uh, I don't know that that would really provide you with any financial security if the answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> that's because he spends all his money on motorcycles, right? Well, that's true. But I'm looking at my own financial security right now. Yeah. yeah. What was Fair her enough. name again? Her name's Kathleen. Yeah. Kathleen, you're going to have to come a little more strategically uh, <laughs> yeah. on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jess is a <laughs> Jess is a hard nut to crack. That's yeah, for absolutely. sure. But you know, but uh, I'm I'm glad he's got. I'm flattered. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad he's got some uh, admirers out there. So that's uh, sorry, Kathleen. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna have to. Maybe you can come in for some income planning though, and and you know, win him over. Jason single. Woo him. Oh, Jason. Yeah, Jason over in our uh, investor relations. relations. Yeah. yeah, good looking guy. Young, yeah. lots of hair. We do Tall. have a lot of good-looking guys around here, yeah. and yeah. gals for that matter. We're a good-looking crew. We are we're just a good in general. Crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I do say so myself. Uh, so this next one says, "This is my favorite podcast, and Sean is doing a great job as the new host." That question or that 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 uh, submission is from my mom. <laughs> So I think my mom would probably say something yeah. very similar. So thanks, mom. I'm glad you listen to the podcast, and and I'm I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm doing the best I can, thanks. making my mom proud. We're all making our moms cool. proud. Right right? On, thanks, yeah. mom. <laughs> well, guys, you know what I want? I want you to put your money where your mouth is. I thought you were going to say a chocolate pop tart. Man. That's what I want. <laughs> Bring it on, Sean. <laughs> This is where my esteemed co-hosts have to come up with a phrase related loosely to this week's episode, and I get to decide how they have to deliver it. So here's how it works. Every week, I seal the guidelines for the game in the Seanvelope, and I open it on air so they never know what to expect. And I want something different this week if I stump you. If I stump one of you guys this week, you have to give me a little break. And the way you're going to do that is that you have to develop the content and write the scripts for all of the episodes coming up in the month of April. All of them? All of them. Okay. I'll gonna, take that challenge. Going to take, take that off of my plate. All right. Our ratings are either going to shoot up or we're going to get kicked off the air. One of the two. All right. Let's open the Sean envelope. Let's let her rip. All right, guys. In nine words, describe the ideal income planning strategy. Nine words describe the ideal income planning strategy. While the guys are racking their brains trying to put this one together, I just want to remind you that you can learn more about us at noblecapital.com. Check us out on Facebook at Noble Capital on Instagram at Noble Capital Radio, and you can download every episode of the Noble Capital Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, that's your time. What did you come up with this week? Jaden, you want to take it? I'll fire away. Here we go. Best retirement income plans provide lifestyle, confidence, and fulfillment. Boom. Nine words 
and he got the and lifestyle got confidence fulfillment phrase. in that there. That's awesome. Good so. job, Jaden. I like it. Jess, what well, you got? Well, he's going to win this one. I mean, that's just stands down. Yeah. Um, and it's, a pr- it's, pr- it's pretty loose what you've asked us, so pretty much you think it's going to fit. So I said, uh, focus on the long game, plan your retirement accordingly. Nine words. That's yeah. good. Beautifully. I like that. And strong. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're planning for retirement, the long game, I mean, that's really where, where you should set your focus, right? Winning the long game. Yep, for yep. sure. Yep, that's absolutely. That's what we do. Well, I'll have to check the tape on that one and, and see who gets forever enshrined on the wall of wisdom, better known as Instagram. Either and, way, you're writing content for the next month. Oh, man, I know. I'll have to try again. It's a content machine. That's right? all right. I enjoy doing it. And for you folks out there who want to learn a little bit more about us, you can RSVP for one of our wealth management seminars. We have one coming up April 16th at Trulux here in Austin, Texas. Go to noblecapitalradio.com. And that's the Noble Capital Radio Hour for this week. I'm Jaden. I'm Jess. And I'm Sean. And remember, life is short. Plan to enjoy it. We'll see you back here next week. All opinions expressed by the speakers on this radio program are solely the opinions of those speakers and do not reflect the opinions of Noble Capital, Acute Financial, Streamline Funding, or their respective affiliates. Each speaker's opinions are based upon information the speakers believe to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Each speaker's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. The information discussed on this radio program is provided for general informational purposes only, does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you, and should not be construed as investment, legal, tax, or other advice on any subject matter. The information discussed in this radio program is not intended and should not be viewed or construed as a recommendation, advice, offer, or inducement to buy, sell, or hold securities, insurance products, or any other financial products. Before acting on any information discussed in this radio program, you should seek appropriate financial, investment, and other professional advice based on your particular facts and circumstances. Current or past performance is not indicative of future results. You should be aware of the real risk of loss in following any strategy or investment discussed in this radio program. No outcome or profit is guaranteed. Any transmission of information through this program is provided on a non-confidential basis and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you or anyone of Noble Capital, Acute Financial, or Streamline Funding. Some information provided in this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. Such information is included solely as a convenience to you, and the provision of such information does not imply a responsibility for such third-party information or an endorsement of the linked site, its operator, or its contents. Acute Financial and Streamline Funding are both wholly-owned subsidiaries of Noble Capital. Noble Capital, Acute Financial, Streamline Funding, and or their respective affiliates and principals, which may include the speakers and guests featured in this radio program, may receive compensation from the sale of financial products featured in this program. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is strictly prohibited without the prior written permission of Acute Financial, Noble Capital, and Streamline Funding.